Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, it's Jim Weaver, the administrative and worship pastor here at Refuge City Church. I'm your host of Foundation Stones, and we're back again for another episode. I want to talk to you today about jealousy. I want to talk to you today about jealousy, and it's a a, a message that I've entitled, Chasing the Heel, Dealing with Jealousy, Chasing the Heel. And you might think, what in the world, where are we going with this? I want to expose this subtle and deadly spiritual disease called jealousy, and I believe that this is important for our Foundation Stones audience today because jealousy is, first of all, a very basic human response to other people having things or being someone that we would like to have or be ourselves, and it's sinister in our heart in the way that it twists us up and causes us to be bitter and cynical. I want to expose it as the disease it is, and we've all had it before. It's a disease that we don't develop antibodies for, like in a physical sickness, and we have to watch out for it to strike again and again because it's a disease that doesn't always manifest with the same symptoms that we had last time. And I've seen it in a couple of ways. I know that the plethora of descriptions of jealousy could be used here, but I just want to show you the two sides of the coin, the two ends of the plank here that could really show us how jealousy operates in our life. One of the ends of the spectrum here is great strength and this overzealous ambition and this overarching zeal and this desire to impress people with our credentials and our stature and our history and our accomplishments. But on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen it manifest this way in my life and in the lives of other people, depression, surrender, lack of ambition, self-loathing and deprecation, criticism of other people really two sides of the same coin. And I see it in a story in the book of Genesis that I'd like to explore today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. In verse 21, it says this, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Verse 31, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. 
Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So this disease, this disease of jealousy plays out in this story. So we just saw a large portion of these two young men's lives right here, but let me just pull out a few interesting points. So they were in the womb, jostling and tumbling, and the Bible says that when Esau was born, that Jacob was grasping his heel. And it was a sign. It was a sign that this younger brother, this second born, was going to be continually wrestling with the position of his older brother, wanting what his older brother had. Because you see, in this culture, in the Jewish culture of old, the magnitude of inheritance and power and authority was given to the oldest son. And so Esau was, by inheritance, going to receive the greater portion of the inheritance, and he was going to lead the family. And Jacob, symbolically, because of reaching for the heel, but also, as you see throughout the rest of his life, was always reaching for that position. He was jealous of his brother Esau. I think it's interesting because Esau just kind of lived his life and did his thing. He went out and hunted, and his father loved him and loved the wild game. And the Bible even says later on that he loved the smell of his oldest son. He loved the fact that he was hairy. He loved the fact that he was manly. He was a man's man. And, And Jacob, he was kind of a mama's boy. He stayed home back in the tents, and he was best friends with his mom. And so there was this interesting tension in this family that we can see in many different ways play out in our own lives as we try to jostle for position and find out where we settle in relationship to other people. And we try to wrestle what somebody else has already been given right out of their hands because of a discontentment in our heart. It's the disease of jealousy. Jealousy, grasping for the heel of someone else. We're behind them, we're under them, and we're grasping for what they have because we are so jealous of them. Not only do we want what they have, but we don't want them to have it. You see, jealousy usually operates in a progression, and I'd like to look at a couple of layers that I noticed here, a couple of layers of jealousy and what it does in the heart of a believer. And I see that, first of all, it starts with comparison. It starts with grabbing the heel. You see, if you think about our culture, our culture is basically screaming at us, be different, (laughs) just like everybody else. Like, be different, but make sure that you look like them to be as cool as them. Be different, but dress like them. Be different, but have their position. Be different, but have the possessions that they own. Be different, but have the position that they hold in the workplace, whatever it is. And you see Jacob here, his trouble was his insecurity in light of his brother's strength. And it's funny because Jacob's name, because he was grabbing the heel at birth, his name literally means in Hebrew, supplanter, or in other words, trickster. He was actually named by his father and mother, trickster. And so his name, his whole life, meant that he was chasing the image of his older brother so that he could be blessed and come out ahead of his brother. That's what his name means. How would you like to be named for a character flaw in your life? I don't know about that. And that's something that's kind of interesting though, but think about it. How often do we actually allow our character flaws to become our identity? Because you see, Jacob was never all right with who he was. He was never content with who he was because comparison sees lack or insufficiency most of the time. 
we're never very endearing toward ourselves, And especially in our culture, we're always looking at our flaws. Think about how long we stand before a mirror trying to get ourselves just right because we don't want anybody to see something that's out of place. You see, Jacob was focused on what he didn't have. He didn't have the strength of his brother. He didn't have the firstborn status of his brother. He didn't have the admiration of his father. (laughs) He didn't even have as much hair as his brother. That's a funny thing, but you'll see how that plays out if you read through the story, because that was one of the things that he did to trick his father when his father could no longer see. You see, the only way that he thought that he could be something was to become someone else, to become his brother. You see, comparison glorifies the splendor of someone else, and it highlights the self-perceived failings of yourself. Have you ever noticed that your view of yourself is usually lower than what someone else would say about you? And your view of someone else is usually higher than they would say about themselves. There's a giant gap that separates us from who we think we are compared to who we think someone else is. And it creates what I would say is discontentment. You're discontent. You're not okay with who you are and your status in life. And we can see this in Jacob in Genesis chapter 25, verse 31. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Basically, what he was saying is, I've created this little bit of food. And because I know you're hungry, I'm going to pick at this thing until you give me what I want. Verse 32, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Because you see what's important here is that Jacob knew if he could get the birthright, if he could rook his brother, if he could trick his brother into giving him the birthright, then he would be blessed more than his brother. He was thinking about himself. How often do we think about ourselves? How often do we live our lives in such a way to trick other people into putting us into a higher position? And so it says in verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Now, I don't understand myself why Esau would be okay with selling his inheritance to his brother for the price of a bowl of soup, but (laughs) that's what happened. It does say that Jacob was a trickster, and so somehow Esau either thought that it wasn't really going to pan out, or maybe he didn't really realize what he was doing, but he sold his birthright to his brother. says, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. He gave it away. He gave it away to the trickster. And the trickster thought, oh yes, I've got this. But now the next step of the ruse was that he had to convince his father to bless him with the birthright. Let me tell you today that discontentment begins when your eyes are on the wrong thing. And when your eyes are on the wrong thing, it creates jealousy. Jealousy. Deuteronomy 5.21. This is actually a declaration of the depth of one of the Ten Commandments about not coveting what other people have. And Deuteronomy 5.21, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Basically, it means don't be jealous of what he has to where you try to take it from him. Because you see, jealousy says they don't deserve to have what they have, but I do deserve it. And then it can morph into bitterness, cynicism, or in extreme cases, it can transform into a dark desire to hinder another person's blessings or even take away their blessings. And I just want you to know, even though you look at someone else's life and you think that what they have is better than you, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. You don't know what it cost them to have what they have, and you don't know what it's costing them to maintain it. 
And sometimes our perspective on what someone else has is so jaded by our own jealousy that we don't realize if we had that thing, it would actually cost us a great deal more than we wanted to spend. One time I heard this, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it means that you should water your lawn. (laughs) And so sometimes we forget how blessed we really are because we're so consumed with what someone else has. What if you tended your own lawn? What if you took care of the little bit that you have and watched God grow it because you're content there? You see, what Jacob wanted was just a taste of what God's plan was actually in place for him. As he grew up, it always seemed he was running behind Esau. It always seemed like Esau got the blessing. It always seemed like Esau got the inheritance. So we thought he needed to take it. That's the only way he was going to receive the blessing of it. And it wasn't going to happen the traditional way. Esau was going to get the father's blessing. But Jacob was going to be the father of the nation of Israel. It had been spoken that the younger would rule over the older. And I believe that God could have made that happen without Jacob trying to strong arm the situation. He couldn't see that pursuing someone else's blessing, he was actually forfeiting his own. He developed a tremendous amount of turmoil in his life because of the things that he did in stealing that birthright from his older brother. You see, jealousy discredits who you are meant to be because you think you're supposed to be somebody else. And only after you wrestle with God over your identity can you begin the process of being content with who you were created to be. And so, I want to tell you the rest of the story. You can read this for yourself, but allow me to paraphrase it for you. Jacob's mother brings him in when his father was getting ready to pass away into eternity. Isaac had lost his eyesight and relied on his sense of smell and his sense of touch to be able to distinguish his sons. And so when Esau went out to go hunting for his father in order for the father to give him his fatherly blessing, Rachel actually took her son Jacob and they slaughtered a goat and they wrapped the skin of that goat around his arms and put a piece of the skin on his neck in order to trick Isaac into thinking that the hairiness of that skin was the skin of Esau and he smelled like Esau and he tried to replicate and to the point where Isaac even thought that he recognized that it was Jacob's voice, but he had tricked him. And basically, he went in with the soup, with the the meat of the goat. And all of a sudden, Isaac blessed Jacob with the inheritance of the firstborn son. Then later, Esau came in, having gotten wild game. And when they all realized what had happened, he says, I can't bless you now with the blessing of the firstborn. I've already given it to Jacob, which created an anger in Esau, so much so that Rachel sent Jacob away so that he wouldn't be killed by his older brother. And they spent years separated, unforgiveness and bitterness, having been fueled by this jealousy. And the Lord still blessed Jacob over the course of time, but he had to come to terms with his tainted and bitter heart. And one night, as he was returning to the land that Esau was now living in, he had an encounter with God. He wrestled with the presence of God all night long until God touched his hip and his hip went out of joint. And for the rest of his life, Jacob limped as a reminder that he had wrestled with God. But it was in this moment that God changed his name. He changed his name from Jacob, which meant trickster or supplanter, to the name Israel, which means wrestled with God and prevailed, or some versions mean prince of God, Israel. You see, Jacob's hip was forever marred as a reminder that his identity was found in God's design and not his brother's blessing. 
So we see Jacob ran for his life. He went to his uncle Laban's land and was even tricked himself. And he returned years later after learning a lot about himself, determined to reconcile with his brother, even if it killed him. And that night before his meeting with his brother, that encounter with God would forever remove the chains of jealousy from his heart. He wrestled with God, and when he saw his brother, he bowed down low and begged him not to kill him and repented of that jealousy. And it really causes me to realize that God doesn't want us to be puffed up with pride and to walk around with jealousy festering in our hearts. He actually is looking for our limp. He's looking for our submission to the God of heaven that would cause us to not look all good and holy and righteous in the eyes of people, but actually causes us to bow low before the God of eternity. You see, my friends, powerful Christians limp. Let me say it again. Powerful Christians limp. It says this, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, Jacob understood he was wrestling with the presence of God. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Such an amazing verse right there. Is that God understood that Jacob desperately needed to be spoken over, that he was blessed and favored by God. It says, then he blessed him there. Verse 30, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. See, God's not looking for your strength. He's looking for your limp. What are you looking at in others? Are you looking horizontally at everyone else around you? Are you looking vertically to the one who created you uniquely? Are you grasping at someone's heel, or are you reaching to the God of heaven? Who you think you'd like to be will stand in the way of who you really are if you're not careful. You must reconcile the two. So how long are you going to wrestle against who you are compared to other people instead of simply walking with your limp? You see, Jacob was walking with his limp when he met his brother after many years. No longer was he marked with jealousy. And now he was marked with the touch of God. That limp, it was inconvenient. It slowed him down. But it definitely designated that he had been with the God of heaven. He didn't compare to Esau anymore. He compared to what God said about him. His name means he wrestled with God and prevailed. It doesn't mean that he beat God. It means that he wrestled with God and discovered who he was. God didn't need to tell Jacob his own name because Jacob recognized it was God that he wrestled with. You'll see that in verse 30 where it says, It is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. God needed Jacob to know his own name. He needed him to know that his name was now Israel, Prince of God, or (laughs) wrestled with God and prevailed. Basically, he got victory over that spirit of jealousy that had marked his life. You see, sometimes we're running from something out of prevention, and other times we're running to something with intention. I know for me, when I grew up, I actually wrestled with being heavy, and because of that, I was incredibly insecure. And I was incredibly jealous of people who actually were fit and in shape and seemed to be in that popular crowd. And so for a while, when I finally started to get a little bit of victory over my weight, 
I was actually doing it to run from my insecurity. But then all of a sudden, my identity changed because I was with God and I realized that God was giving me a level of health through that discipline of losing that weight and getting better at exercise and all of that. And now, when it comes to my fitness, I'm running toward the victory of health. I'm not running from the insecurity of how I compare to others. And it was a huge victory for me. I grew up with a lot of insecurity in that area. And so we've got to know that our own motives, they're always going to try to be discontent and frustrated. When we're satisfied with who we are in our hearts, we're free from chasing the heels of somebody else. You see, the motivation of our heart will reveal its health. Why do you do what you do? Why do you pursue what you pursue? Why do you work so hard? Why do you do so many things? Why do you purchase the things you purchase? What pushes you? I promise you, something is driving you. And it's important to know what it is because it will reveal where the Lordship of Jesus Christ sits in your life. It's a wrestling match. And either you're going to allow God to touch your hip and cause you to limp, or you're going to run away from God so that you can continue to pursue your own promotion and your own victory in the eyes of the people you're jealous of. Are you motivated by the beauty or giftedness or expectations or possessions of another? Are you motivated by the edited glamour shots of your friends on social media? Are you motivated by what's chasing you from your past? Are you motivated by your perception of what people like your mom or your dad or your family or your boss or your spouse or even your pastor might think of you? Are you motivated by the proverbial carrot of greater success and blessing hanging out in front of you for your future? Are you motivated for something bigger and greater because you're scared to death that this might be all you have in life, what you have right now? So I want to ask you, what emotions do you feel? When someone else is blessed with something that you like but you can't have. Again, Deuteronomy 5.21, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land. His male or female servant is ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And so I just want to ask you, just one more time, as we're getting ready to close the podcast today, what motivates you? Whose heel are you chasing? What destiny are you forfeiting because you're comparing yourself to the Esau in your life. When was the last time that you wrestled with God? What is your limp? I love what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. It says, All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Friend, I want to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for me too, because this area of jealousy can get us in a lot of trouble. And I don't want to spend my life chasing somebody else's successes. I don't want to be reaching for someone else's heel. I don't want jealousy to have any kind of paramount portion of my life. I want my name to be changed to Prince of God, someone who is so submitted to God that God can call out to me to do something and I say, yes, sir, without wondering if I have enough, without wondering if I add up in the eyes of other people. I'm not looking for a way to trick people into blessing me. I'm just simply living my life with the limp that God has given me. So let me pray for you. And if this is an area of your life where you recognize that you're chasing something because of an unclean motivation, I want you to pray with me and ask God to root it out of you. So Lord, right now, we confess that as humans, jealousy is a very sinister part 
of the flesh that tries to chase us down. And Lord, there's people in our life, sometimes we're chasing their heel and we're modeling our life after trying to take away what they have so that we can be better than them. Lord, I pray that you would give us the eyes and the mind and the heart of Christ that you would cause us to be focused on the things of God. I pray for deliverance from jealousy. And I pray, God, that you would replace that jealousy with contentment and with peace. That, Lord, we would wrestle with you until we limp in your presence. That, Lord, we would carry your presence more than we would worry about what people think of us. The Lord, what we have would be enough. And that, Lord, we would be a landing pad for your favor and your blessing. That goodness and mercy would run after us so that you can use us in effective ways in your kingdom until you come again. So, Lord, give us your freedom in this area of jealousy. Lord, we don't want to be chasing the heel anymore. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.